You noticed last week that uh, there comes a time in Jacob's life where his story is intertwined, wrapped up in the life of Joseph. In fact, we saw very clearly a passage that said, and this is the history of Jacob. And the next word was Joseph. Joseph. And uh, for a while then, Jacob's story is going to be told uh, through the life of his son, Joseph. And of course, the reason for this is because uh, they're going to have to explain uh, how that the children of Israel, uh, that's Jacob, how that family got down into Egypt and how that happened. And that's all the story of Joseph. Tonight we're going to be looking at a message I simply call The Lord Was With Joseph, Genesis 39 and 1. Uh, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Now the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 7 records a very brief synopsis, if you will, of the life of Joseph. It says in verse 9, And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Genesis 39 and 23 says it again. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Uh, Potiphar would see that, his master. When he ends up in prison, the warden sees it. His fellow inmates see it. And ultimately, even Pharaoh himself would see that God was with him. Genesis 41, 38, Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. And then uh, verse 15 of chapter 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream and there's no one who can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. And so Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Exactly what Pharaoh was looking for. Now, what you and I long for in life is the blessing and favor of God to be upon us. And wouldn't it be so wonderful, the blessing and the uh, favor and the power and the presence of God was so mighty in all of us that everybody we came in contact with knew that the Lord was with us. Our neighbors know. Our co-workers know. Our boss knows. Our teachers know. Our students know. 
Everywhere Joseph went, everybody seemed to know. The Lord was with him, and the Lord blessed whatever he did. They might not have even known who the Lord was, but they knew Joseph. And what they knew of the Lord came to them from him. God was with him, and God was active and blessing in his life. And as a result of how that God was working in his life, the Bible could say it, and it said it over and over again, that whatever Joseph did prospered. Um, now, you can study hard and get an education. You can work hard and diligently, and you can sacrifice and work toward a long-term goal. But a lot of people work hard and get an education. A lot of people then start something and work hard at it. A lot of people sacrifice and work toward a long-term goal and do all of the work that is necessary in order to build, try to bring a business out of the ground. And not everybody is successful. A lot of people get good educations, work very hard, but that doesn't mean they're successful. So when you and I, as believers in Christ, experience those blessings of God, we need to be sure and recognize them. All right, yes, we got an education. Yes, we worked hard. Yes, we had a good idea. Yes, we brought in into something. We've made it happen. We've worked hard to make it happen, but in the end... We know that God is blessing us. God is showing us His favor and blessing. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He uh, that is in you than he that is in the world. And I bring that passage to you tonight because when God is working for us, we can rest assured that the enemy is going to be working against us. Always. Uh, the devil never forfeits, okay? <laughs> He, did, he never just uh, sounds a horn and said, okay, y'all just go ahead. Uh, he is constantly resisting. We're not going to win this cosmic conflict by default. So if God is working in your life or mine to bring blessing and victory, expect opposition. Expect that testing will come. Now the test that Joseph is going to experience over the next few verses we'll see play out in his life tonight are going to answer a crucial question. And that is, you know, will Joseph continue to stay with God and be faithful to God even through his times of testing? Now, let's just set the framework a little bit. Joseph has been sold into slavery. He is working as a slave to an Egyptian master. He goes from there. He's in prison. He goes from there. He's still at, at the bottom of the totem pole, if you will, in Pharaoh's house. And yet over and over and over again, the Bible's saying that God was with him and God was blessing him. Even in the midst of these testings, Joseph is going to be shown to be continuing to stay faithful to God and continue to serve God. And so these testings are going to answer that question for us. There is one question that we don't even answer, ask, and that is, uh, is God with him? 
That's something for us to remember tonight. Just because we're going through a time of testing doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. If we're going through a time of testing, God is right there with us. And we're going to see that tonight. So uh, understanding those two things, and God is with us in our time of testing. The Lord was with Joseph. And then the question, will Joseph stay with God and be faithful to God even though he's tested? And those questions, that issue comes down to us tonight. Let's see what uh, these tests were. And of course, the first one was the test of rejection. Rejection. The Bible says it simply in Genesis 39 and 1, Joseph had been taken down into Egypt. Oh, what a mouthful of truth is wrapped up in that one sentence. Joseph had been taken down into Egypt. We remember, of course, what had happened. How that Joseph had been hated by his family. How that his brothers had thrown him into a pit intending to kill him or let him die, deciding then uh, to profit from his misfortune. They sold him into slavery. What a rejection uh, that was for him to be rejected by his family and end up in Potiphar's house in Egypt. One of the hardest tests that we all have to endure is the test of rejection, especially when that rejection comes from people that we love and that we desperately want to love us in return. It's hard to take that rejection. And in our service of the Lord and in our life of living for Him, you and I are going to occasionally face that bitter pain of rejection. There may be a time when you work hard for a job or for a promotion and you'll be rejected. It goes to somebody else. Maybe somebody who's not nearly as qualified. Maybe somebody who doesn't have the experience. Maybe somebody who's not as faithful or doesn't work as hard as you. But somebody uh, then gets that position and you feel the bitter pain of rejection. It may be a time of friendship where you work hard to build a relationship with somebody. But the more that you try to befriend them... Uh, the more you see them pushing you away. Rejection. And then, of course, there's that bitter, <laughs> the most bitter kind of rejection at all. And that is when you're trying to build maybe a relationship with that special guy or that special girl. And they just don't want any part of it. The worst feelings of rejection come from our closest relationship when our brothers or sisters reject us, when our parents reject us, when our children reject us, when our wife rejects us or our husband rejects us. The pain is especially acute, and it does happen. So what do we do when we experience the pain of rejection? Uh, will we remain faithful to God and continue to serve Him? Will we run to Him knowing that though these other relationships have rejected us, God is not going to reject us? Do we call on Him then by faith as our helper and comforter? Unfortunately, when we're feeling rejected, it's entirely too easy for us to run to some sin in order to find temporary solace and comfort. And so we ask ourselves, when we go through this time of rejection, when we feel that bitter sting of disappointment, when we are suffering uh, because of the pain of someone who 
won't have anything to do with us. Will we stay faithful to God? Or do we abandon our convictions saying, what's the use? I've been a good Christian, tried to be, and look what that got me. I've lost everything. Thank God for the story of Joseph. Because Joseph sets the example for us that though he found himself a slave in Potiphar's house, rejected by his brethren, he served there faithfully doing the best job he knew how to do. And as a result of him doing uh, the work that he knew how to do and staying faithful to God, God blessed him mightily. And God even blessed Potiphar's house mightily because of Joseph. And so it was, verse 5 says, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So the first test that he had to experience or go through was the test of rejection. But God was with him in that. And Joseph remained faithful. The second test then that would come is the test of temptation. Verse 7, and it came out to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so it was when she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Folks, tonight let's notice right up front the craftiness of our adversary. When Joseph has experienced the bitter pain of rejection, what does the enemy do but bring into his life somebody who wanted him? Do we understand what a temptation that would have been at just that point in time? For somebody, uh, undoubtedly uh, a beautiful person, somebody, though everybody else has rejected her, here's Potiphar's wife. Uh, it's difficult to imagine uh, Potiphar's wife just walked up to Joseph one day and said what the text says that she said, come and lie with me. Uh, that's not the way uh, that uh, women usually operate at all. Uh, we can see her, you know, talking to him, smiling at him, laughing at his jokes, telling him how sweet he is. Oh, you're so good to me. Maybe coming by and putting a hand on his shoulder every now and then. And uh, just telling him what a great person he was and speaking so kindly to him. Potiphar was a professional soldier. And like any soldier, that would call for him to be gone uh, for long periods of time and away from home. And so there was room for a lot of personal contact between her and Joseph. Joseph was not the pursuer in all of this, okay? And the Bible's very clear about that. He was not pursuing her. He was not investing in this relationship. It was the other way around. She cast, the Bible says, longing eyes on Joseph. 
longing eyes on Joseph. Maybe Potiphar's wife was feeling a little bit of rejection herself. It's a dangerous thing when you put two rejected people in a situation, in a work situation, a working relationship together. It's a story that can be told again and again and again and again and again. It happens a lot. Then time, there's a plain proposal. Potiphar's wife is determined to move things toward another level. She had become more and more affectionate towards him, more and more fixated on him. And the Bible doesn't say this happened just once. It happened day after day after day after day. Thank God for Joseph. Because even as he is experiencing that time of temptation, he tells us, brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't have to give in to that. Day after day, week after week. Remember, Joseph was a slave. He couldn't request a transfer. (laughs) He couldn't just look for another job or move to another town and say, man, I don't need to be around here anymore. He couldn't do that. Nowhere to go. He couldn't just be disrespectful to Potiphar's wife or just leave when she came around. If we can't learn anything else from this tonight, though, let's remember the devil recognizes our areas of vulnerability. He knew it's just too much to be a coincidence that there Joseph was facing that test of rejection. But then here comes this test of temptation exactly where he was vulnerable. But again, the Lord was with him. Something for us to remember when we're tempted is that God doesn't leave us to just face that thing alone. God is with us, yes, even when we are tempted. See, when we're saved, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in our lives. And He is always with us, fulfilling that promise the Lord Jesus gave us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when we're feeling tempted towards sin, let's remember that the mighty resources of the presence and power of God are available to us. And in fact, we almost have to shove the Holy Spirit into the background, if that's a a, a right way of looking at it. Reject Him and reject His ministry in order to continue on into sin because He is right there. And I know that because the Bible tells us that God will not suffer or allow us to be tempted beyond that which we are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. God keeps His promise. So the Lord was with him in his rejection. And the Lord was with him in his temptation. Then it moves on. He faced the test of false accusation. We very seldom say that just exactly that way. So let me ask you how we usually say it. Any of you ever been lied on? (laughs) Had anybody lie on you? 
Oh, they're lying on me. Okay. Well, verse 17, she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to mock me, and so it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. There came a time when Potiphar's wife and Joseph were alone in the house, and she physically grabbed him and tried to force him into her bedroom. She literally tore his coat off of him as he ran away from her and fled. Now that rejected woman holding Joseph's coat in her hands, not a coat of many colors, but obviously is, that rejected woman holding Joseph's coat in her hands concocts an elaborate lie against him and accuses Joseph of trying to force her. Imagine how that must have felt to Joseph. After all that time of resisting, day after day and week after week, all that time of saying no to her advances. It's tough when you take a stand for God and resist temptation only to find yourself accused of doing the very thing you resisted doing and didn't do. And you believe God and you trust God and you say, no, I'm not going to do this. And like Joseph, no, I'm not going to sin against God. And then you end up getting accused of it anyway. The devil delights in rubbing our noses in such things and saying, look what your convictions got you. Here you are accused anyway. You stood for God. Look what that got you. Got him thrown into prison. And accused of trying to force Potiphar's wife. We have a saying. Well, where there's smoke, there's fire. That's not always the case. They lied on Joseph. There was smoke, but no fire. They lied on Jesus. There was smoke, but no fire. Be careful. The devil has his crews working overtime, building smoke, blowing smoke of false accusations against the people of God. And Joseph had to experience that test and endure that test. Will you be faithful to God even when you're falsely accused? Even when it seems like those who are lying are getting ahead. Mark Twain uh, was credited as saying that a lie will run around the world while the truth is getting its shoes on. We can add to that tonight that there is a remarkable tendency in this world to believe lies. Jesus called the devil the father of lies. That means every lie is his child, and he loves lies just like you and I love our kids. He does everything he can to protect him. That's why when we start trying to uh, stamp out a lie or stop a lie, that he takes it personally, it's hard to do. When we're falsely accused and lies are spread on us, when people get the wrong impression, when they question our motives, and that's almost uh, always the direction that people go. If they can't uh, accuse you for what you've done, They attack your motives of why you did it. Well, he's just trying to show off. Well, he's just trying to get people to notice him. Well, he's just trying to get in good with somebody. Well, question your motives. 
Is it the very idea that a person could do something just because it's the right thing to do? It's so foreign. Thank God for Joseph because he got through the test of false accusation. Though it got him in prison, he still lived for God. And then comes perhaps the toughest test of all. The test of time. Genesis chapter 40, we can spring ahead in verse 23 to the story of the chief butler. You remember how that Joseph was in prison and the chief butler had received an interpretation of his dream. And, and he told then, Joseph told the chief butler, you remember me to Pharaoh. Genesis chapter 41 and verse 1, it came to pass at the end of two full years. Two full years would pass. And that on top of all the years that had passed since God had showed Joseph that dream of his prominence and of his preeminence, of his position of ruling over his brethren. And the years have gone on and on and on. And we've seen him go from the rejection of his brother into a cave. Now he's a slave from the cave to a slave in Potiphar's house. Then he's in prison. Psalm 105 verse 17 says this. He sent a man before them, and he in that passage is God. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons, notice, until the time that his word, God's word, came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. What an incredible passage. The word of the Lord tested him. What that means is that when God makes a promise to us, but then that promise is not immediately fulfilled. When God has made a promise to us, but we see situations and circumstances in our life that are different from what that promise is. Then the word of the Lord, the promise of God, becomes a test to us. Do we believe God? Even though there's no evidence that that promise is coming to pass in my life. But we still believe God, that God is going to be faithful. Even though I can't see anything like that around, anywhere. The word of the Lord becomes a test. Do I believe the word of God? Will I continue to live by it? Will I continue to pattern my life by it? There's a lot of things I question, but I don't question the Word of God. I may question my understanding of it, but I don't question it. Come to the past, to the place in life where I understand God is true. God is true. God keeps His promises. God's Word is true. And the longer I go in this life, it, it, it's as if the Word of God becomes a constant Most of you uh, know that Polaris is, is not just a four-wheeler. Uh, Polaris is a star, uh, the North Star. I hope you can find it. If you can't, 
uh, let's go out in the country sometime. Just grab me, holler at me, say, preacher, come show me. I want to see it. I'd, I'd, I'd be glad to point it out to you because I can assure you I can find it. If it's a clear night out in the country, maybe, uh, I, I know where Polaris is. I can find it every time. Clear night. It's always right where it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's always there. Always. Never fails. It's always there. And the older I get, it's more about what the Word of God is to me. It's always there. God's always trustworthy. The future is certain. Life isn't. But thank God the future is. Because God's promise is sure. But until that plays out to us, until we experience those promises... Those promises become a test to us. Will we stay faithful? Will we keep believing? Even though there's no evidence. Joseph was tested, no doubt, by the idea that perhaps God had forgotten him. God had given him promises of dominion. God had promised him uh, that he would rule. But here he is a slave and in, his pr in prison and forgotten. We would understand if Joseph just quit. The man, that I'm forgotten. It's not going to work. I must have just eaten too much uh, a rabbit stew that night and had a bad dream. I, I thought it was God's vision for me, but no, it's just a nightmare. I'll just forget it. Joseph just keeps on serving. He keeps doing what he can. And God blesses everything he does. Don't miss the point tonight of this message. Joseph faced the test of rejection. But God was with him. And he brought him alive then to Potiphar's house. There Joseph would face temptation, but God was with him. Joseph faced false accusation, but God was with him. And then he faced the passing of time, but still, still God was with him. And he kept him serving. You and I know the big picture in this story, don't we? You see, God was going to keep his promise to Joseph. Joseph was going to deliver Israel. Joseph was going to be the Savior. There was going to come a time when his brothers would all bow down to him. God had a plan for Joseph, and that was going to be the salvation of Israel. That's what it was. So let's understand. Joseph couldn't deliver Israel if he stayed in his father's house. Couldn't happen. Joseph couldn't deliver Israel if it had stayed in Potiphar's house. Couldn't happen. You see, he had to get down into prison because that was the place where he was going to meet the person who was going to put him before Pharaoh at just the right time. And before long, as we'll see next week and in successive messages, Joseph 
It's going to be second only to Pharaoh himself, ruler of Israel. And God's plan is going to play out in his life. Sometimes in our life, we might think we've taken a wrong turn. We've got off on a detour and God's nowhere around. We might look at our circumstances and even conclude maybe that God's mad at us. Oh man, I'm experiencing the judgment of God. But every now and then, maybe when we're feeling those feelings, we need to remember Joseph and the fact that God was with him wherever he went. There was an unseen hand that was guiding him everywhere he went. And the end of the story is going to be fabulous. I think when we get to heaven, one of the great joys of heaven is going to be figuring out that some of those bad things that happened to us that we didn't understand, felt like God had abandoned us, was just something that God maneuvered in our life to get us in the place where we needed to be. You've gone through some hard times in your life, and maybe you've lived long enough to see that God used that for good. God blessed it. And he worked through it. But I don't think we've seen anything yet. It's going to be the joy of heaven. Tonight, perhaps we can just focus a little bit on that truth. The Lord was with Joseph. Because <laughs> I'm glad to be able to tell you tonight, same Lord, same God, is with you and you and you and you and you and me and even the folks in the balcony. The Lord is with you. Let's stand together, please.